BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know. What were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Welcome back to Crossover Daily, SI's daily NBA podcast. I'm your host, Rohan Nadkarni. Today on the show, we're talking the Heat's nail-biting Game 4 win over the Celtics. When did Miami realize rookie Tyler Hero could be a star? We'll also discuss how the Celtics are still very much alive, and then wildly speculate about a Heat-Lakers final. Joining me will be ESPN's George Sedano. Let's start the show. All right, joining us now on Crossover Daily is a longtime radio host. Uh, you can currently hear him on the radio at ESPN Los Angeles. You can also see him on your TV screens uh, on ESPN, sometimes on the jump, sometimes on SportsCenter. During a normal NBA season, you can see him on the sidelines. Uh, Miami's own George Sedano on the show with us right now. George, how's it going, my man? Man, I'm great. It's uh, what a game. Uh, what a series, to be honest with you, between these two teams in the East. As a matter of fact, hell, the West has been good too. But let's focus on what you want to tonight. I'm, I am ready to roll. So I'm breathing again after the last minute uh, of that Heat Celtics game. Just absolute nut and nuttiness there in the last minute. Uh, Miami barely clinging on to a nine point lead somehow in the last minute. Uh, the obvious story from tonight is Tyler Hero, the second most points. Uh, by a 20-year-old a in a playoff game, uh, trailing only Magic Johnson. Just absolute bonkers stuff from him tonight. The Celtics had no answer for him. I, I think we obviously have to start with Hero. Uh, George, I, you're you're closer to this Heat organization in, in the sense that 
You know a lot of guys there. I, obviously, you spent a lot of time in Miami. Do you think the organization always had a feeling he'd have this in him? Or when, when do you think they realized he was capable of what he was doing tonight? Well, I think they they realized that he could be a special player very quickly in the draft process. I think that just from a personality standpoint, they felt that he fit. And clearly from a skill perspective, they mm-hmm. thought he was excellent. Like the, his shooting is is elite level shooting, in my opinion. And clearly in a league like we have now, you need that. But what I think they also saw, and Calipari to his credit, right, I know that a lot. there's a lot of grief about the Kentucky guys, but the one thing that seems consistent with Calipari guys is that they sacrifice in college to play a role, and they're usually much better players in the NBA. Now, it doesn't always mean that winning comes with that, but as far as their individual skill sets, we see more from them at the pro level. And he kind of hinted at that, that he's very much in line with some of these other guys. They see him as a Devin Booker type. That's what they see when they see him. Now, I don't know if he can be as good as Devin. I think that, you know, Devin's built differently, just physically, right? Um, Thicker, obviously, that helps too. Uh, But Eric Spolstra, to his credit, recognized very early on in the process. And you saw this during the regular season, and you certainly saw it a lot in the bubble in the restart, is they saw him and envisioned him as a secondary ball handler type where when they want to, you know, when their point guard or whoever is the person that's normally going to handle the ball uh, is off the floor, they feel unbelievably confident that there's not going to be a huge drop off there uh, as time goes by in his career. And we're seeing that kind of that process playing itself out in real time here as we speak. It really is fascinating. You know, I wrote kind of headed into the playoffs just out of the bubble games about his ball handling and how important that was because they needed that off the bench, uh, especially with moving Goran to the starting lineup. And I do think you look two, three years down the line, obviously Goran Dragic isn't going to play forever. His ball handling and his development in that area and what he's doing right now becomes so much more important. What's fascinating to me, you know, you and I both watch a lot of heat games, obviously that, you know, they had Dwayne all the way back in, in 2003. Now this isn't, this isn't a franchise that, that relies on young guys in the way they are right now, particularly in, in playoff moments and in a way, I don't want to call it double-edged sword because this is a positive thing. What he's doing right now is is just awesome. It's it's great for it's great for the team. Uh, it's it's fun to watch. Was any was any part of you a little not skeptical is not the right word, but a little huh? It's weird that the rookie is doing this and not say you know a Jimmy Butler or a Goran Dragic. Was was part of you? Did that thought cross your mind? I mean, a little bit initially, right? But once he was hot, it's like you ride that. You know what right. I mean? And I know there's a lot of theories, right, about the hot hand in the end. <laughs> uh, but and we don't have to dive into that. But yeah, I just think that Jimmy has empowered these guys, right? Mm-hmm. And Noah Spo, right? Like they've empowered it, these guys. And I just saw Goran Dragic talk about this. It's not the first time I've seen him have this conversation. But he was on with Scott Van Pelt on SportsCenter right after the game. And Scott asked him, when did you know that this kid was different and special? And he's like, oh, very early on in the process. Like, if you look at it during the regular season, he was finishing games for us. And he's absolutely right. Tyler Hero had the third most points in the fourth quarter on the Miami Heat this year, only trailing Jimmy Butler and Goran Dragic. So they bestowed a a lot of trust in him very early on and very quickly. And it has paid dividends here for sure. I think the the popular conversation has become 
what's his player comp, right? Everyone wants to know what's his player comp. You brought up how, you know, the organization thinks he can be better than Devin Booker. I'm more kind of curious in in the right now, in the context of the four teams left in the playoffs, if the Heat were to somehow get past uh, this Celtics team, I, I still think this series is very far from over. What what right now do you see his role on this team being? Does he need to be elevated into an even bigger role, you know, based on his performance in the series? I mean, the, he's been their best player, I think, over the last two games of this series. Oh, do they need to find a way to get him more involved right now even, or, or are we getting a little premature with that conversation? I think maybe we're getting a little premature, but, I mean, he's been pretty steady for the most part on yeah. his output, right, throughout the playoffs. Um, I, I'd have to go back and look at the game logs, and I mm-hmm. could probably do that here real quick. But I feel like he's had double-digit points. Yeah. Oh, he was on he was on the double-digit point streak was the kind of the first rookie record he was breaking. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so he's got that going for him. And now you're seeing his rebounding prowess, right? Like, he has been phenomenal rebounding the ball. He, he Excuse me. He really does. I almost choked there. I have to drink some water here. Hold on. <laughs> no worries. I should mention I should mention that George is joining us after a harrowing kitchen disaster. And frankly, it's remarkable that he's here right now to talk about this. Tyler yeah, yeah, we had a crazy situation happen <laughs> in my oven. Uh, but luckily, everything is okay. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, his his rebounding prowess is incredible. Like he yeah. he really does read the ball and where it caroms off really well. And I know that that stuff is kind of recent in people's memories, especially if they saw. And I'm not comparing him to this guy, so don't do that. But <laughs> right about the rebounding part of it and the art of rebounding. Um, you know, Rodman talked about it a lot in the Last Dance, right? Like just kind of the way the ball goes off and just mm-hmm. you, have, you have to have like a natural instinct for that stuff. And I think that. He's starting to show that he has some of that. Like, if you look at his rebound numbers in the playoffs, they've been really good, and and the assist numbers are there. He's a fairly complete player, and I I do think the comp may be Booker. I think that that may be what we're looking at, whether it's, you know, splitting hairs where Booker may still be better. I think if I had to to guess, right, Devin is probably going to be the better player, but... I don't know if it's going to be a huge difference is my point. I think that they'll be close enough where it will just depend on what you like more, right? Or who you like more. Absolutely. Yeah. I, listen, the, the sky's clearly the limit for him. You know, I, I was watching uh, that post game as well. Tim Legler mentioning he thinks he can be someone who becomes a perennial all-star. Uh, the fact that he's doing it on this stage, it's, it's just the, the confluence of events right now, right? The fact that this is happening in the bubble, you just don't know what kind of effect that's happening on someone who is a rookie, you know, this early in their career, how maybe that's helped him along and, and what kind of dividends that could pay for not just the heat right now, but his career moving forward that he's getting a chance to perform in this specific situation. Uh, okay. I think, I think we got our Tyler hero freak out of the way. You know, we, we tried to keep it as measured as possible. I want to talk about this series in general a little bit because it does, does it feel like a heat three, one lead to you because the end of these games are all so nerve wracking. Obviously the, the lead is all that matters. I, I want to get like a confidence check, a, a temperature check of you. I, where do you stand on the series? Cause it doesn't feel like a, the heat are in a, in a typical three, one situation. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they've been nerve wracking all the games, uh, you know, even last game when the Celtics won, it still became a situation where like, oh, Miami's two baskets away from, from stealing this game. You know what I mean? Like 
So I'm with you. It has been nerve wracking. And the two teams, I feel like they're still really evenly matched, you know? And so I'm with you. Like, I don't think this thing is over in five. I'd be surprised if that were the case. My original pick was Heat in seven. I think, though, that there's a very real possibility now that six may be the number. Um, You know, since I believe Eric Spolstra took over, uh, the Heat have 11 series where they've been up three to one and they've won all 11. So I feel fairly confident, barring a major injury to one of their big players, whether that's Bam or Dragic or Hero or or Jimmy, that they're going to close this thing out. But I I don't think it's going to be easy. And I think that the Celtics just – the way they play, right? Like, look at Jason Tatum and the way he played tonight. I mean, he was awful in the first half. But then he lit you up for 25 in one half or whatever it was. And you know that Marcus Smart is going to fight. And then Kemba can get hot. And Brown is fantastic. And Hayward is only getting more comfortable in this series. So, yeah, I I don't think that this thing is over uh, yet. Like, I, I don't think this is a wrap. I think ultimately Miami will win. But I think that they're going to have to finish this thing out. Like, they can't take a breath. You know, Butler likes to say they can't get comfortable. It's not in their nature. And when they do, they generally tend to lose. And we've seen that. We saw that in game three. They allowed 60 points in the paint. They just were doing things that weren't normal to them. And I think that part of that was Boston. But some of that is Miami relaxing. And they can ill afford to relax because this series could end up going the distance if they do. For sure. And I don't want to be the guy who, who kind of throws the water on what was a great night for the Heat. There are just times in the series where, where Boston still looks like the more talented team to me. And I was especially surprised, you know, late in that game, uh, Boston went to kind of that best five lineup. If anything, I just thought they made some some kind of execution blunders. You know, a lot of people were picking out that play where Dragic hit the three late. You know, Miami was up 102-98. Uh, the Celtics, for some reason, trapped Jimmy Butler in a pick and roll. You know, they're playing five small guys. If you just switch that, uh, it doesn't trigger the kind of rotation that leads to the Dragic three. Uh, Jalen Brown gets kind of caught napping on that hero cut late in the game. It's just, I feel like Boston uncharacteristically has made some execution blunders uh, in this series. And it's just such a weird one, man. The fact that the Heat are up 3-1, when you consider how it felt like Boston has been the better team for probably the majority of the quarters in this series, it's such a weird feeling. It's unsettling is how I would describe the series. Uns- so far. Unsettling is right. But I also think that, you know, in sports, you know, this is a binary situation, right? Wins and losses. So, and, and closing out games matters, right? Like we mm-hmm. sit here as people who cover these sports and we talk about it openly about choking away leads, right? There is a psychology to this stuff. And I think some people do crumble in those situations. Like, I believe that. And I, I, you know, I don't necessarily think people elevate, uh, though people love to, to, you know, expand on that narrative. I just think there are certain people that stay cool, calm, and collected and play um, as well as they normally would. It doesn't mean that they can't get hot occasionally or whatever, but I think generally speaking, really good players who are good in the clutch are just playing to their normal averages because they're really good players. Whereas, Whereas there are players who the psychology of it gets to them. You know, we're clearly seeing that with Paul George over the last several years. This was a kid that if you would have told me back in 2012 or 13 when the Pacers were playing the Heat that he would be here right now 
where people would be calling him a choke artist and, you know, pandemic P or whatever, I would have said you're out of your mind. Like this kid <laughs> be a superstar and he's amazing. And look, he's still an amazing talent, but you know, that stuff is real. I do think the psychology of it is real. Right. And, and I think we would both agree like the heat, really love this bubble scenario. It seems oh to God. work for them. It works for the organizational ethos. Uh, people were joking on Twitter tonight, Jimmy Butler's going to try to stay in there once the season ends, even if the Heat win the finals. Uh, this really seems to be tailor-made for just kind of the whole organizational ethos. It, it is funny because when, that, when it was decided that they were going to play in the bubble, I was having these conversations on my just my friends' group chat, and my buddies and I were talking about like, yeah, this may bode well for the Heat as long as they get the right matchups, right? And Milwaukee was clearly a matchup that I think everyone who follows this team or has seen this team closely believed would be a good one for them. And it proved right. that to be the case. But, you know, the Boston one, I remember when Boston and Toronto were playing, like I was telling people they definitely would rather see Toronto. No doubt. I just think that they match up better against them. And, and I think that Toronto, for as great a coaching uh, job as Nick Nurse has done, you know, I, I felt like they didn't have as much top-tier talent as Boston did while also having an elite-level coach, right? So even though I don't think Brad is as good as Nick and Eric, um, I think he's certainly in the top five, you know, if I were ranking guys. So, sure. yeah, so I, I, I do think that this team, though, has just gained more and more confidence going back to the psychology, right? Like, hey, we did it against Milwaukee and they were the best team in the league, right? Like, so if we did it against them, why can't we execute our game plan against anyone else? And here's the thing, to your point, their execution, you kind of briefly mentioned them and their offense. Mm-hmm. Like Tom Haberstroh illustrated this perfectly on Twitter today from NBC Sports. There was a four on three where you just saw, re- I mean, the passing was yes. so crisp from Adebayo to Iguodala to Dragic in the corner for a three. And he nailed it. He said that felt like peak Warriors right there when you were watching that. And it goes back to Spo, man. Like Spo, you know, I'm not going to say this. I know this for sure because he hasn't actually said it to me and vocalized it to me. But there's no doubt that he hears the stuff about Oh, no doubt. About him versus Brad, yeah. Yeah, that him versus Brad and that, you know, a lot of guys could have won with LeBron, Wade, and Bosh, right? And over the years, he's gotten more uh, with he's gotten more out of less than I think anyone because their their roster the last several years was bad. Okay, mm-hmm. um, and he had them competing for playoff spots when they had no business doing that, and most teams would have been you know in in, in the top five in the lottery in those situations. So I think he's kind of flexing right now. You know what I'm saying? Like he's feeling himself too, whether that's. Uh, you know, just the the way that the team is structured and the way they're playing offense and defense schematically. But the other thing, and I want to credit Amino Hassan, who said this on the Levitard show when we did the uh, we did like a special basketball podcast, mm-hmm. me, him, Izzy Gutierrez, uh, Zach Harper and Mike Ryan. And Amin said that there's not a better coach in the NBA right now from game to game adjustments. Mm-hmm. Than and by the way, he was showing you that back then. Uh, we had, uh, you know, LeBron, Wade, and Bosch, too, for the most part. Um, but now he's he's kind of like Neo in the Matrix when he's stopping. <laughs> There's nothing that Spo hasn't seen, you know. And, and if there happens to be something he hasn't seen, I feel like he's just going to go into the dungeon and, and figure out how to, how to make it work, you know. Like, I just sure. think he's at that level right now, at the peak of his powers, too. 
You know, I had a really interesting conversation with Spo for a story I was working on. It's crazy. It's been almost a year now. It was last November. You know, he told me emotionally, he's like, I, I had a conversation with Dwayne Wade in 2015 where I apologized to him for not being the coach I needed to be. And I think he really internalized that, that loss they had to the Spurs in 2014. That was a bad finals loss. I mean, that team was on its last legs, but it was a bad finals loss. I think he really internalized that. And then I think that I think the biggest lesson he learned from that big three run was he got too obsessed with winning. And I know that sounds crazy, but I, I think it, it turned him into the coach he is now where it's about improvement. It's about the adjustments. It's not just the bottom line and the results are, are paying off. And I, I think that he's a, a really a different coach uh, than he was those days. And I, I wish, I wish NBA coaches would play into the rivalry a, a little bit more because I know it's a fraternity, but I, I think that there's definitely, you know, there's an undercurrent between him and Brad Stevens. I, I don't think it's between them personally, but just on an organizational level, I think it exists. And, you know, we like to keep these, uh, you know, not too long, but there's one more thing I, I wanted to ask you about because it's something that I think people are talking about. And now we're a little bit closer to it. And I don't want to recklessly speculate because the Heat are definitely not out of the woods in this series and the Lakers are not out of the woods in their series. But there's like a looming Pat Riley LeBron showdown here. Oh, yeah. That, that I think people are maybe like afraid to talk about now because they don't want to jinx it. How badly do you think the Heat want that? Because I, I think that, right. that they want that so badly. Oh, my God. It, they want it worse than anything, right? <laughs> um, I think that if they find a way – now, look, they would not They would be massive underdogs in that. Of course. Okay? Of course. And deservedly so, right? Because it's the Lakers are the only team in the sport this year that have two top five players on its roster. Yeah. However – um, I, I think that if there's any guy on the other side that you don't want to see, as, at least coaching in that series, it's Spo right now. Maybe Pop, right? Like, is probably the right. only other person that you wouldn't want to see in that situation. Because, look, he just – he's got so much at his disposal right now that I think that the strategy would be, okay, let LeBron and AD do their thing. We're going to shut down everybody else and try to figure that out and see if that works. That would, I mean, I would guess that would be the first strategy and maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but man, like, you know, the Lakers are not a great three point shooting team. They were ranked 23rd this season. So if you can shut down the perimeter as opposed to shutting down the paint, which is what they normally do. um, You know, I don't know. It it could be interesting. The other thing is like, you know, Anthony Davis tends to fall in love with the mid range jumper and that's the shot you want him to take. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, man, there's so many ways that that can go um, from game to game. I just would love to see it just for that. Right. Like there's oh. no like I don't think they I don't I don't think they could win it. But, man, could you imagine if they did? Holy mother of God. Oh, the, the I don't even want to know the how Miami would react to something like that. As long as we're recklessly speculating about a potential Heat Lakers series. Here's all I'll say. I think the Heat have more depth than the Lakers. I think that. The Lakers struggle in the half-court offense, and the Heat's defense uh, can really give them some trouble. Like you said, they don't have shooters. I think Bam versus AD is a matchup the Heat would take. Uh, I think it would be really interesting. And another you know, pair of coaches who have history are Eric Spolstra and Frank Vogel. And, and Spo hasn't lost to Frank Vogel in the playoffs before. So it, it would be – there's a, just a, a lot of storylines there, and, and I think that would be – a way more interesting series than people. Well, and, and to add to that, um, you know, the Lakers defensively have been incredible this season. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. Like, 
Look, first, and I'm not trying to take away anything from LeBron and Anthony Davis's greatness because we know how great those guys are, and they are incredible. But the backbone of this Lakers team this year has been their defense, and that's a testament to Vogel because he said it. I was there on media day when right. he talked about it, and I was like, all right, we'll see. And then you saw LeBron defending in November, and we hadn't seen that in like seven years either. So, um, you know, defensively they have been fantastic. I could see games in that series – if that's where we go, where we end up, where you can be late in the fourth quarter in some games and be in the 80s and 90s, right? right you know yeah. Because of the type of defenses that you can see in that series, I'm not saying it would be every game. I'm just saying there could be a, a game or two where you would see that, just because the Lakers' defense is incredible, um, and Miami's defense in in the bubble has been fantastic. For sure. Well, let's not get too much further ahead of ourselves. I think we're both still kind of jacked up from just such an incredible game. But, uh, George, thank you so much for taking the time to do this, man, uh, sharing with us. Uh, you have so much knowledge about the Heat. Again, if you don't listen to George on the radio, I, I highly recommend it. You're doing so many things now, man. you got the Levitard watch parties. I see you're doing some post-game videos and stuff uh, after the playoffs. So I, we appreciate all that you're doing, man. You got it, brother. Anytime. Good to talk to you. Stay healthy and stay safe. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.